السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمد الکریم اما بعد فاعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم ربش رحلی صدری ویسر لی امری وحل العقدتم لسانی یفقه قولی ربنا زدنا علما باب الاغتباط فی العلم والحکمت وقال عمر تفقه قبل ان تسودو الاغتباط desiring the same having envy for what? for knowledge as well as wisdom meaning just as other people have knowledge and wisdom a person desires that he also has the same is it permissible? yes it is and the statement of Umar تفقهو قبل أن تسودو seek fiqh meaning gain knowledge before you become a chief before you become older or before you are given some position What's the relationship, what's the connection between these two statements? The first statement, Imam Bukhari has derived it from the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, which will now be mentioned under this chapter heading, in which we learn that hasad or envy is only permissible in two cases. Firstly, in the case of the one who has been given knowledge by Allah, who has been given knowledge and he implements that knowledge, he lives by that knowledge. And secondly, is the case of the person who has been given wealth by Allah and he spends it in the right way as well. So such two people who have been given great blessings, knowledge and what? Wealth. And they use it properly as well. Such people deserve envy, meaning you should envy them. Envying them is permissible. It doesn't mean that a person wishes that they may forget their knowledge or their wealth may be lost from them. No, that a person desires that he should also have the same, that he really looks up to them. He really looks up to such people. He aspires to be like them. You know, you have role models. You look at some people and you're like, I wish I could be like them. This is a person I want to be like. So these are the two people, two examples that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to us. Now, the next statement is of Umar anhu, where he said that gain understanding, meaning gain knowledge, before you become old or before you were given some position. Why is it necessary to gain knowledge before a person reaches some position so that he can do what he's supposed to do properly. Because if an ignorant person is given a high position, then what is he going to do? He is going to decide, judge, act according to his ignorance. Isn't it so? And he is going to make a fool of himself as well as other people. He's going to go astray himself and also lead other people astray. So the only way that is that a person can be successful when he's given a position is when he has knowledge. So when he will live by that knowledge then he will do what is right, he will lead other people to what is right, and that person, the hadith tells us that he is deserving, meaning he's worthy of being envious of, meaning you can be envious of him. You understand the relationship between the two now? Gain knowledge and then get a position, so that you do right, and as you're in that position, if people envy you, their envy is justified. So let's look at the hadith. حدثنا الحميدي قال حدثنا سفيان قال حدثني إسماعيل بن أبي خالد على غير ما حدثناه الزهري قال سمعت قيس بن أبي حازم قال سمعت عبد الله بن مسعود I heard Abdullah ibn Mas'ud saying that قال قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم that the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said لا حسد there is no jealousy meaning jealousy is not permissible envy is not correct it is not right إلا except Fitnataini in concerning regarding two people. If a person is jealous of another, it is not correct, it is not permissible. 
Why? Because jealousy, what does it do? It wastes the deeds of a person. But the only two ways in which it is permissible is in these two ways. That first of all, Rajulun, a man, meaning that a person is envious of a man, of a person who, أَتَاهُ اللَّهُ مَالًا Whom Allah has given wealth. And with this wealth, what does he do? فَسُلِّطَ So he is given authority, he is given power. He is given power by who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is given that authority by Allah to do what? عَلَى هَلَكَتِهِ Upon its spending. هَلَكَ This is from halak. Literally it means destruction, but you know that this word is also used for death. And it's also used for spending money. Because when you spend money, then it's as though the money has gone away from you. Just as a person has died, he's gone away from you. So, فَسُلِّطَ عَلَى هَلَكَتِهِ He is given the ability by Allah to spend it. Where? فِي In the right ways. In the ways of truth. Meaning, in ways that are correct in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if a person spends in the right way, then that spending is a reward for him. Even if he spends on himself or his family or his friends or the needy, in any way if he spends, if that way is correct, then that spending is rewardable. So, فَسُلِّطَ عَلَى هَلَكَتِهِ فِي الْحَقِّ So this person, this hadith tells us that we should have envy against or envy of this person. Why? Because when we look up to them, then we will desire to be like them, we will aspire to be like them as well. وَرَجَلٌ and a man أَتَاهُ اللَّهُ الْحِكْمَةَ Whom Allah has given wisdom. And with this wisdom, what does he do? فَهُوَ يَقْضِي بِهَا So he judges بِهَا according to it وَيُعَلِّمُهَا And he also teaches it. He implements that knowledge and he also teaches other people that knowledge. He doesn't just keep it to himself. So we learn about two people in this hadith. First of all, the one who spends the wealth in beneficial means. And secondly, the one who attains knowledge and applies it. He has the ability to use that knowledge. Both of these two people, we should, or the hadith tells us that, it is permissible to have envy of these people. However, if you look at it from these two people even, which one is more superior? Hmm? The second one, the one who has knowledge. Why? Because the person who has wealth, he will spend it. But eventually that wealth will finish and that man will also finish. But the person who has knowledge, then what will he do? He will teach that knowledge, he will implement that knowledge and that knowledge will benefit people for hundreds and hundreds of years. Take the example of Abu anhu. He did not gather a lot of wealth. What did he have? He gained knowledge. And that knowledge he learned, he implemented and he also taught. And we see that people are benefiting from that knowledge even today and will continue to do so even afterwards. And this is the reason why Imam Bukhari is mentioning this hadith over here. This shows to us the virtue of gaining knowledge, that how virtuous this act is, how beneficial this act is, that when a person has it, he's at such a high level that others have been told to have envy of him. So this is something that we should aspire to do. And notice how it has been said in the hadith that وَرَجُلٌ آتَاهُ اللَّهُ الْحِكْمَةِ And previously, رَجُلٌ آتَاهُ اللَّهُ مَالًا What does it show? That wealth and hikmah both are given by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A person cannot attain it himself. With regards to hikmah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says يُؤْتِ الْحِكْمَةَ مَنْ Allah gives hikmah to whomsoever he wills. وَمَنْ يُؤْتَ الْحِكْمَةَ فَقَدْ أُوْتِيَ خَيْرًا كَثِيرًا now a person might think that with regards to this hikmah, 
you know, a person who has been given hikmah and he judges according to it and he also teaches it, a person might say, well, I'm not a qadi, how am I supposed to use the knowledge and judge according to it? If you think of it, every single day or every single thing that we do, we are always in that, you know, role that you can say you're always making a decision, isn't it? Should I do this? Should I not do this? And what is it that helps you make your decisions? It's the knowledge that you have, the hikmah that a person has been given by Allah. Hikmah is a gift from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the thing is that the more a person strives to gain knowledge, right? He tries to implement and Allah also shows him how to implement. And many of the mufassirin, they have said that hikmah in the Quran, it refers to the sunnah of the Prophet So the more a person gets to learn about the sunnah of the Prophet and he implements it, the more wisdom he attains. The way to hikmah is facilitated by Allah for that person. باب ما ذكر في ذهاب موسى صلى الله عليه وسلم في البحر إلى الخضر وقوله تعالى هل أتبعك على أن تعلمني مما علمت رشدا باب ما ذكر what has been mentioned في ذهاب concerning the going of going of who موسى صلى الله عليه وسلم you might find this strange because we know that it's supposed to be Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم and موسى عليه السلام Right? If you look at the meaning of the term sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what does it mean? May the blessings and peace of Allah be upon him. So it is a kalima in which you're making a dua. Right? And yes, this has been fixed for the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. However, there's no harm if you say it for other prophets as well. Because may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon all of the prophets of Allah. So what has been mentioned concerning his going, fil bahri, to the sea, ilal khadiri, to khadir. وَقَوْلِهِ تَعَالَى And the statement of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, هَلْ أَتَّبِعُكَ When Musa alayhi salam said, this is mentioned in the Qur'an, that هَلْ أَتَّبِعُكَ May I follow you ala on the condition that أَن تُعَلِّمَنِي That you teach me مِمَّا From that which عُلِّمْتَ You have been taught رُشْدَ Of right guidance. What does this show to us? In this hadith that has been mentioned afterwards, we learn about the incident in which Musa alayhi salam went to Khadr and learned from him. What do you think the relationship is between this hadith and the previous chapter heading. The previous bab and this bab. What's the relationship between the two? That tafaqahu qabla an tusawwadu wa ba'da an tusawwadu. So Musa al-Islam, despite being a prophet of Allah, he did not you know, stop there from gaining knowledge. No. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him, go to this man and learn, he went and learned. So we see that Musa al-Islam went and learned from Khadir. And... This shows that Musa the knowledge that he had, he implemented it. He had been given hikmah by Allah, he implemented that knowledge. How do we see that? That when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him that Khadr had more knowledge than him, Musa wanted to go and learn. He wanted to go and learn. And knowledge, you know, a person when he acquires it and he reaches that level where others are envious of him, he cannot reach that level except with hardship. And Musa salam had to go through hardship in order to learn from Khadr. You know, a person does not become a superstar in one day, even in dunya matters. Similarly, if a person wants to become knowledgeable, then he can't just get there within moments, within a year, within two years. No. A lot of effort has to be put in. A person has to strive, he has to struggle, he has to learn, he has to study, he has to travel, he has to have a lot of sabr, he has to learn from others. He has to bear the difficulties as well of the way, right? Sometimes the strictness, the hardships that come from other people, 
isn't it? Because Khadr was a little strict with Musa salam. So a person has to endure all of that, only then can he acquire knowledge. And when he goes through all of that, he acquires knowledge, then he is at that level where others envy him. You know, sometimes we look at, for example, some scholars are so knowledgeable, they didn't just get there like that. No, there's a lot of effort behind that. A lot of effort. I remember in one of the classes, Sheikh Yasir Qadi, he was asked about how he learned and everything. And he was mentioning about how when he was young, he would read Arabic books and he would consult the dictionary again and again and figure out by you know looking at the dictionary and reading one book after the other. I mean, it requires a lot of effort. A person does not just learn Arabic or, or learn the Quran or anything just like that. You may have experienced it yourself as well. To be able to understand the text of the Quran directly, it requires a lot of effort. Constant study, doing the lesson seven times, sometimes more, sitting through class, revising, reading. Isn't it so? Doing your assignments. It takes a lot from a person to get there. And when he gets there, only then can he reap the fruit. That a person must be humble at that stage as well. And we see the humility of Musa salam that he went and he learned from Khadr. And look at the way he said that هَلْ أَتَّبِعُكَ عَلَىٰ أَن تُعَلِّمَنِ مِمَّا عُلِّمْتَ رُشْتَىٰ That may I follow you, may I come along with you. That he's requesting with a lot of respect, with a lot of humility, that may I learn from you. He was a prophet of Allah, but still he was humble. And as long as a person has this humility, he will keep learning. But if a person thinks that, no, now I'm a leader, now I have this position, then he will stop learning. If a person has learned properly before tusawwadu, then he will continue learning after tusawwadu as well. Yes, it wasn't that Khadr was supposed to come to Musa salam to teach him, but Musa salam went to him in order to learn. Okay, let's look at the hadith. حدثنا محمد بن غرير الزهري قال حدثنا يعقوب بن إبراهيم قال حدثني أبي عن صالح عن ابن شهاب حدث أن عبيد الله بن عبد الله أخبره that عن ابن عباس from ابن عباس رضي الله عنه that أنه indeed he تمارا he disputed he had an argument هو he meaning ابن عباس رضي الله عنه and who والحر بن قيس so Ibn Abbas and Al-Hur Ibn Qais, they had some argument. And Al-Hur Ibn Qais was Ibn Hisn Al-Fazariyu. What was the argument about? Fi sahibi Musa, concerning the sahib, the companion of Musa alayhi salam. Qala Ibn Abbas, Ibn Abbas said that huwa khadir, that he was khadir. The one who was mentioned in the Qur'an to whom Musa alayhi salam went to in order to learn, he was khadir. Because in the Qur'an, the name of khadir has not been mentioned. So, the two had an argument, and Ibn Abbas was of the opinion that he is Khadr. فَمَرَّ بِهِمَا So he passed by them too. Who passed by them too? Ubay ibn Ka'bin. فَدَعَاهُ So he called him. Who called him? Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu. Ibn Abbas called Ubay ibn Ka'b. فَقَالَ So he said, إِنِّي indeed I تَمَارَيْتُ I have disputed, meaning I have an argument. أَنَا I وَصَاحِبِي And my companion, هَذَا this one. فِي صَاحِبِ مُوسَى Concerning the companion of Musa alayhi salam. الذي, the one who سأل موسى موسى عليه السلام asked السبيلة, the way إلى لقيه to his meeting the companion of موسى about whom موسى عليه السلام asked that he should be shown the way to him meaning موسى عليه السلام asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to lead him to Khadr so that he could learn from him so Ibn Abbas asked Ubay ibn Karab that هل سمعت have you heard 
النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ The Messenger of Allah صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يَذْكُرُ That he mentioned شَأْنَهُ His affair, his state Meaning, do you know if the Messenger of Allah صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ mentioned anything concerning him? قَالَ Ubay ibn Ka'ab said نَعْم Yes سَمِعْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يَقُول I heard him saying that بَيْنَمَا once Musa Musa alayhi salam fi mala'i amongst the chiefs min bani israel of bani israel while he was sitting with the the mala of bani israel ja'ahu rajulun a man came to him faqala so he said hal ta'lamu ahadan hal do ta'lamu you know ahadan anyone do you know of anyone a'lama more knowing minka than you do you know of any other person who is more knowing than you Qala Musa, Musa a.s. said, La, no. Meaning, I don't know of any person who is more knowledgeable than me. Why do you think he said that? Because he was a prophet of Allah. And if you think about it, ilm is of two types, right? Ilm al-shari and ilm of dunya. Ilm al-shari, was there anyone more knowledgeable than Musa a.s. amongst human beings? No. At that time, not at all. With regards to worldly knowledge, was there someone more knowledgeable than him? Of course, there could have been many, many people. Now this man asked a general question. Is there anyone who is more knowledgeable than you? Musa a.s. said, no. I am the most knowledgeable person, human being, present. فَأَوْحَ اللَّهُ So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspired إِلَى مُوسَى to Musa a.s. بَلَى Rather, عَبْدُنَا خَضِرْ Our servant Khadir. He knows something that you don't know. He knows something that you don't know. Because وَفَوْقَ كُلِّ ذِي عِلْمٍ عَلِيمٍ فَسَأَلَ مُوسَى So Musa a.s. asked As-Sabila the way ilayhi to him. Musa a.s. asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as to how he could go to him. Isn't it amazing? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him that Khadir knows more than you. Musa a.s. wanted to go to him and learn. What does he know that I don't know? And it wasn't to test Khadir, but it was really to learn from him. فَجَعَلَ اللَّهُ So Allah made لَهُ for him الْحُوتَ The fish ayatan a sign. So Allah appointed the fish as a sign for Musa a.s. وَقِيلَ لَهُ And it was said to him إِذَا فَقَدْتَ When you lose. فَقَدْتَ You lose. Can you think of any word in the Qur'an from the same root? In Surah Yusuf. When the brothers of Yusuf a.s. asked that what is it that you have lost? So, وَقِيلَ لَهُ إِذَا فَقَدْتَ الْحُوتَ When you lose the fish, فَرْجِعْ Then return. Then go back. Go back where? Meaning the place where you have lost the fish, and over there you will find. فَإِنَّكَ So indeed you, سَتَلْقَاهُ You will meet him there. وَكَانَ And he was يَتَّبِعُ He was to follow أَثَرَ The traces of الْحُوتَ Of the fish فِي الْبَحْرِ Into the sea. So wherever the fish would go into the sea, Musa a.s. was supposed to follow the fish over there. And over there he was supposed to find Khadr. فَقَالَ لِمُوسَى So he said to Musa a.s. Who said to him? Fatahu, His slave or his young boy, his servant who was with him. أَرَأَيْتَ Did you see? إِذْ أَوَيْنَا When we took to, when we betook ourselves to, meaning when we rested, إِلَى الصَّخْرَةِ At the rock. فَإِنِّي So indeed I نَسِيتُ الْحُوتِ I forgot the fish. When we rested there by the rock, I forgot the fish. Meaning the fish got out of the bucket went into the water and we were supposed to follow it but you were resting and I forgot to tell you when you woke up. And they remembered after they had left that place. وَمَا أَنْسَانِيهِ And none made me forget it. Forget what? The fish. 
shaytanu except the shaytan and adkurahu that I should remember it. Meaning shaytan made me forget to remember the fish, to mention the fish to you, that the fish had escaped. Qala he said, Musa alayhi salam said, ذَلِكَ that is ma kunna nabghi That is exactly what we were seeking. That is exactly what we were looking for. فَرْتَدَّ So both of them returned. They went back. عَلَىٰ أَثَارِهِمَا Upon their footsteps. قَصَصَ Following, retracing. So they went back, retracing their footsteps to where that rock was and where that fish had escaped into the water. فَوَجَدَ خَضِرًا So over there, both of them found خَضِر فَكَانَ So it was مِنْ شَأْنِهِمَا Of their affair, of their state الَّذِي وَتْقَصَّ اللَّهُ Allah has narrated عَزَّ وَجَلْ فِي كِتَابِهِ In his book. The rest of the incident, Ubay ibn Ka'ab said, you know, it is as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned it in his book, in the Qur'an. So he didn't mention the entire story. But there are many lessons to be learned from this incident, especially what is mentioned over here. First of all, we learn here that there is no limit to learning knowledge. No matter what position a person has, no matter what position he has attained, no matter what he has learned, no matter what knowledge he has acquired, there is always room for growth and improvement. Always. It could be review, it could be revision, it could be learning something new, it could be refreshing what you have learned already. There is always room for growth and improvement. Musa salam being the Prophet of Allah, he went in order to learn from Khadr. Secondly, we also learn from this that an alim, a person who is supposed to be known as someone who is knowledgeable, can also learn from others. Because no human being can reach that level where he can say, I am the most knowledgeable. Human beings are limited. We cannot grasp the knowledge of every single thing. It's not within our ability. So even though there may be a person who is extremely knowledgeable, he can also learn from others. So for example, you know, sometimes if we are sitting with somebody who is perhaps less than us, we say, oh, they haven't studied the Qur'an, what do they know? No, you can also learn something from them. You might say, oh, they don't have much of the Qur'an memorized, what do they know? No, you can also learn something from them. You know, generally when we look at other people, we look at what degrees they have, where they have studied, what they have done. You can even learn from those people who don't know. Luqman, he was asked how he learned wisdom. And he said by sitting with the ignorant people, by looking at the ignorant people. That I saw them and that is how I learned what wisdom was. That I should not be like this and instead I should be like this. So there's always room for improvement. You can always learn from those who are even less than you. Because we see that Musa had ilm al-shar'i, but ilm kawni is something that he did not possess. And Khadr, you know that when Musa went with him to the sea on that entire journey, Khadr was not teaching him about what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed and what he has commanded. He was showing him different things, especially of wisdom. You know, a child is killed. There is a reason behind that. A hole has been made into the ship. There is a reason behind that. Similarly, from the hadith, we learned that on the ship as they were sailing, a bird came and, you know, and took some water from the sea and only a few drops came and Musa was told that, look at that amount of water that the bird has taken. That is the knowledge that we have compared to the entire sea. The knowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala possesses. So he taught him wisdom. He taught him ilm kawni, not ilm shari. So just because we have learned the Quran, just because we are studying the Bukhari, it doesn't mean that we cannot learn from people who know other things. We can also learn from them. 
Because it happens sometimes. People say that if there's a, you know, for example, a professor who's not a Muslim or a specialist who's not a Muslim or an author who's not a Muslim, what can you learn from them? You can still learn something from them. Okay, it might not be something about the Qur'an and Sunnah, but you can learn something that may benefit you in some other way. You know, like it is said that wisdom is the lost treasure of the believer. He takes it wherever he finds it. So wherever you find beneficial knowledge, beneficial information, take it, benefit from it. Don't say, oh, they're non-Muslim, don't go there, don't listen to them. Oh, this person doesn't know the Qur'an, don't listen to them. Yes, you should always have your filters on. Okay, always, you know, filtering whatever information you take in, but you can always learn. And the practical things from the elders, you sit with them. Maybe they're not very knowledgeable, but they just tell you one story and the concept gets clear. Yes, information, knowledge, you can learn from books. But wisdom, you learn through experience. Wisdom is something that you learn from experience. And that is done by sitting with, by socializing with other people, by talking to other people, by asking them, by seeing what they know, what they say. You know, whenever you're having a problem, if you want to find a solution to any issue, whatever it is, Ask other people. Find out what they do. Find out what they have to say. It could be a, a very small issue as well. Just right now, today only, I was asking one of the mothers that what do you do to keep your child busy? What kind of activities do you do with them? Because, you know, I have a toddler and I I have to keep, you know, coming up with new and new activities to keep him busy at home. So I ask other people. You know, I could say that, oh, you know, this book, the author is not a Muslim or these people, what do they know? No, they have studied. They know something. I can benefit from that knowledge. So wherever you find information that is beneficial, take it. But always have your filters on. That knowledge of the deen, it only makes you more eager to learn more. It only makes you more eager to, you know, save your time and be more effective in the work that you do, isn't it? So you benefit more from what you learn. Then we also learn that a person may also ask others questions who may be lesser than him in knowledge or in status. Like for example, we know that Musa salam he was the prophet of Allah. Khadr was who? He was not a prophet of Allah. Who was he? A servant of Allah, a righteous servant. And we do not know about, you know, people say that, oh, he was some angel or something, some other creation. Allah alam what he was, who he was, but he was an abd. Okay? But the prophet of Allah, his rank is definitely higher. Because what do we learn in the Qur'an? That those who believe and do righteous deeds, أُولَٰئِكَهُمْ خَيْرُ الْبَرِيَّةِ Okay, they are the best of the entire creation. And entire creation includes angels and jinn. So Khadr, whether he was human or angel, whoever, but still the Prophet of Allah, his level is definitely higher than his. But yes, Khadr knew something that Musa did not know. But just because Khadr's status was lesser did not mean that Musa would not ask him. No. Because sometimes we think that if we have been given a particular position, how can I ask my daughter for a suggestion? How can I discuss this issue with my daughter-in-law? How can I ask my you know, friend who hasn't even studied the Qur'an about this? No, they don't know. No, you, they can. They can suggest something to you. Because sometimes it happens that we are going, we're having a problem, we're facing a challenge, and we want to discuss it with, for example, our husband or our brother or our sister, and they haven't studied the Qur'an. Don't let that stop you. They may have some idea, some suggestion that can really benefit you. Assalamu alaikum. Um, just, you know, today I was, uh, there's a sister, she's helping us with grammar help. And, um, 
you know, today I was just really thinking that we have three different subjects going on, Tajweed, we have Bukhari, and then we have grammar. And we have different groups for each class. And I was thinking that, subhanAllah, like, the group in charge has changed for each subject. So a person who's your student can be a teacher in the other group. Yes. So I was thinking, subhanAllah, like, you know, even though we're all, like, you know, studying the same subject, there's some people that are stronger in some things and yes. then the other. Yes. And, you know, it's amazing how you feel so humble that, you know, you're teaching at one point, but then in the next group, you're a, you're a student. Yes. So you can always learn from everybody yes. in the class as well. Yes. Like the struggles that we have to go through in order to gain wisdom or to gain knowledge are really hard. And like for a lot of people, like how many ever subjects we're doing or whatever is hard. But I was just thinking how Musa Ali Salam, like some of the things that he experienced were humorous. Like he was making a hole in the ship and he's like, what are you doing? And then he's like, didn't I tell you you wouldn't have patience with me? But another aspect was he literally saw, you know, him murder a child. And that's very scary. Like if we actually put ourselves in, and not think of it as a story and think of it as something real, it's really traumatic really to watch someone kill somebody else. And he had to go through that in order to learn something. So I think like there's going to be lots of like, you know, pain and, and hardships in trying to learn the knowledge. But if you're determined to learn, yes. then you can, I guess you can learn. Very true. Very true. I just have an experience to share. Mm-hmm. I happened to be at a conference. It was a medical conference. Mm-hmm. I just happened to be there with somebody. And uh, this was in the UK. And it was an international uh, conference. And there were a lot of um, great speakers from around the world that they had invited. And uh, for certain people, they had also arranged tours. So I was happened to be on a tour. And there was an older couple. And this was sightseeing of England, of London. So when this old person, he was quite old. He could barely walk up the stairs. And his wife was helping him walk up. So I, I used to help him out. And as we started I started helping the wife husband and wife together because I was alone with them uh, with other tourists and um, I happened to, he asked me where I was from I said I'm from Canada and I said we started speaking about things and I said he asked me he said if I was a doctor and when I addressed no and he, then we started talking about different issues of uh, medicine and he said which part of Canada I said Mount Sinai um, that we live close to Mount Sinai because that's where we lived and he started saying something I said do you know Mount Sinai it's a, it happens to be a center of research for neonatology and he said oh really and what is neonatology? And he started asking me questions, and we spent three or four hours about the subject of premature babies. And I, I actually, as an immature person here, kept telling him, and I, like I didn't, like I was a layperson in terms of that subject. So I kept explaining to him everything, and we must have spent four or five hours, literally. And when we reached uh, back uh, at our destination, the person that I had gone for the conference with, uh, he happened to tell me that, uh, do you know who he is? I said, no, because I wanted to introduce him. He said, he's the father of neonatology. And not once did he ever, he, there have been books written by him, and they've been published around the world. And not once in those four or five hours, he led me on to say that, and I was explaining to him what neonatology was. Uh, amazing. There was just a couple of things I wanted to share. There was the first point that you'd made about there's always room for improvement and growth. Once when I was in, uh, when I was studying um, in university and we had our teacher's college, I remember one of our teachers telling us that the day that you feel that you have mastered teaching, then quit because you'll never master it. Like there's always room for improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is too is when we were talking about um, even though there's different ranks and statuses, I actually recall the situation with Ustaza. I hope you don't mind if I share it. Is that okay? There was one time we as a class had gone on to listen to a lecture and uh, I was very surprised. Ustaza did come that day and she listened to the lecture even though the sheikh that was giving it was considerably 
of lesser knowledge than Ostaza. But I remember the strange thing was that at the end, she sat down and she said, and you know, a whole bunch of us circled her and she said, you know, what I learned today. And she started off this way. And I was just shocked that, you know, mashallah, she, it just shocked me to see her sit there and say, what I learned today. And then we all went around in a circle saying what we all learned today. And it just made me think that mashallah, even though she was a very knowledgeable scholar, she was able to come and sit and learn and also uh, very easily say, this is what I learned today. And this is only possible if a person realizes that he needs to keep learning. Right? Then whoever comes before him, any person, no matter what their background is, still a person can learn something from them. It could be of the deen, it could be of the dunya. And if a person has this as their focus, then they keep benefiting. And if a person thinks that, no, I already know this, I already know that, they know less than me, they haven't done this degree, they don't have that institute, then a person will not improve. Let's continue. باب قول النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم علمه الكتاب The statement of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم that اللهم أو الله علمه الكتاب teach him the book meaning the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم made this dua for someone that may Allah give him the knowledge of the book of Allah who was that companion Ibn Abbas حدثنا أبو معمر قال حدثنا عبد الوارث قال حدثنا خالد عن عكرمة عن ابن عباس ابن عباس رضي الله عنه narrated that قال he said ضمني رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ضمني he embraced me remember the meaning of the word الضم to join two things together so he hugged me he embraced me وقال and he said Allahumma علمه الكتاب He said, Oh Allah, teach him the book. This was a dua that the Prophet ﷺ made for Ibn Abbas That may Allah teach him the book. Teach him the book, lafzan as well as ma'nan. Meaning the words of the book as well as the meanings of the book. And this is why he was known as the Mufassir of the Qur'an. This is why he was of the most knowledgeable companions when it came to the tafsir of the Qur'an. He was the most knowledgeable among the companions. Ibn Abbas at that time was very young. He was very young. And it shows that, you know, how the Prophet ﷺ encouraged him. Imagine you're hugging somebody who's young and you're making dua for them. How good they would feel. How special they would feel. And that dua was accepted. Many times it happens that if we have something special, we think that, you know, we have it, yeah, okay, but we should want the same for others. That if Allah has given us knowledge, we should also want knowledge for other people. The Prophet ﷺ had been given knowledge by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but he also wanted it for others. So he made dua to Allah that, oh Allah, teach him the knowledge of the book. He must have seen something special in Ibn Abbas This is why he made that dua for him. And you see that in the previous hadith, Ibn Abbas and and his companion, Al-Hur ibn Qais, they had a dispute as to who was the companion of Musa Ibn Abbas said it was Khadr. But he wouldn't agree with him. So then he asked the other companion, Ubay ibn Karb, and Ubay ibn Karb agreed with him that yes, it was Khadr. So it shows to us that yes, Ibn Abbas did certainly have knowledge of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Lafzan as well as Mu'nan. Bab, mata yasihu sama'u sagheer Mata, when is yasihu, when is it appropriate, when is it correct? Sama'u, the listening of, as of 
a young person, of a child. Meaning, when can samar be accepted from a person? At what age? What does samar mean? To listen. And remember that samar is one of the ways of tahammul. Tahammul al-hadith. One of the ways of acquiring knowledge. That a person has heard the other say something. He heard the other say something. He witnessed it himself. And then he passed it on. So, Imam Bukhari over here is trying to prove that bulugh, meaning puberty, is not a condition for tahammul. Puberty is not a condition for tahammul al-hadith. A person may be young, as young as seven years of age, as young as five years of age even, and if he heard something from the Prophet ﷺ, if he saw something, if he witnessed something, and he passed it on, it will be accepted from him. Similarly, if there is somebody else who has learned from a teacher, even though he has not yet reached the age of puberty, and if he narrates a hadith, it will be acceptable from him. It will be accepted. Now, some scholars, they have said that samar is only accepted from a child as long as he is mumayyiz. What does it mean by mumayyiz? Mumayyiz is someone who has tamiz, meaning who has the ability to distinguish between what is right, what is wrong, what is appropriate, what is inappropriate. And also it has been said that mumayyiz is you know, a child who can speak clearly, he can give answers, meaning he can understand a conversation and he can relay it correctly as well. That, for example, he witnesses a conversation or he participates in a conversation, he's answering the questions properly and then he remembers everything very, you know, to every detail and then he narrates it afterwards as well. He has the ability to relay it correctly. Then it will be accepted from him. And this age is not a fixed age, meaning... It's not necessary that every child, if he reaches the age of seven or if he reaches the age of 15, only then he has become mumayyiz. No, a child can be mumayyiz before the age of seven, even after the age of seven. Some become mumayyiz at 15 and some become mumayyiz even at the age of five. That it's amazing how little children, they will come and tell the entire story to their mothers. Every detail that happened. And some children, you know, their imagination is very wild and they will add in details. But others, they will tell exactly what happened. So it doesn't have to do with age, it doesn't have to do with puberty, it has to do with the hal, with the state of that very child. Is he able to understand? And you may have seen that every child is different, isn't it? Recently I took my child to the park and there was another child and uh, they were playing together. And I was looking at how this little girl, she was going up the, you know, up the slide and she was holding, you know, sticks and stuff like that in her hands and she would go up and throw everything down. And I was like, my son can never do that. You know, he struggles to get onto the big slide, but she was running up and coming down so easily. I just asked her, how old are you? And she said, two years old. I was amazed. A two-year-old child is literally like a five-year-old child. The way she was behaving, the way she was talking, the way she was running up and down, so confident. Every child is different, isn't it? So it doesn't have to do with the age. It has to do with the state of the child. So... We see that the scholars of the past, some of them set a condition that if a child narrates a hadith after the age of 15 or some, of a witness uh, of an incident that he witnessed after the age of 15, only then it is acceptable. Before that, not acceptable. But Imam Bukhari disagreed. Because there are many evidences from the sunnah, from the hadith, from the sahaba, the companions, that they narrated incidents which they witnessed when they were very young. So the first one we learn is of Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu. Okay, let's look at the hadith. حدثنا إسماعيل بن أبي أويس قال حدثني مالك عن ابن شهاب عن عبيد الله بن عبد الله بن عتبة عن عبد الله بن عباس 
قال he said اقبلت I came I advanced راكبا while I was riding على upon حمار a donkey أتان a female donkey so he came riding a donkey that was female وأنا يوم إذن and I was that day قد indeed ناهزت الاحتلال meaning that is the day when I reached puberty that is the day when I reached puberty So I came riding on my donkey wa Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam yusalli he was praying salah bimina at mina when was this when do you think the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam would be at mina praying salah at hajwat hajj obviously hajjatul wada that was towards the end of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam's life so we're not looking at the makkan period we're not looking at the early madinan period we're looking at almost the end and look at the age of ibn abbas He reached puberty at that time, on that day. Ila, towards غَيْرِ جِدَارٍ غَيْرِ no جِدَارٍ wall. Meaning he was praying salah and there was no wall in front of him. In other words, there was no sutra. فَمَرَرْتُ So I passed by بَيْنَ يَدَي Before بَعْضِ Part of الصَّفِّ The row. I came right in front of part of a row. وَأَرْسَلْتُ And I sent الْأَتَانَ The donkey تَرْتَعُ To graze. And then, فَدَخَلْتُ فِي الصَّفِّ And then I entered into the row in order to pray with the rest of the people. فَلَمْ يُنْكَرْ ذَلِكَ عَلَيَّ So this was not objected against me. Meaning no one objected what I did. That I came riding on a donkey and I passed by some of the people who were standing in salah and then I got off, let my donkey go and then I came and joined them. Meaning nobody broke their salah. Their salah was valid. What do we learn over here? That Abdullah ibn Abbas, he's narrating this incident which happened when he was very young. That is the day when he reached puberty. And we see that this hadith was accepted from him and passed on as well. And we see that there were many incidents that Ibn Abbas narrated that happened before Hajjat al-Wada'ah. Isn't it so? But all of them were accepted from him. So whatever samar he had, it was accepted. So it shows that bulugh is not a condition for tahammul. Bulugh is not a condition for tahammud. And it's amazing that Ibn Abbas being so young, still he had so much knowledge. He noticed so many things. He learned so many things. And he taught so much as well. And this was because of the zeal, the love that he had for this ilm. And the Prophet ﷺ made dua for him, Allahumma allimhu al-kitab. There was definitely something special about him. So he learned so much and he passed on so much. And we see that he learned from the Prophet ﷺ and he also learned from the companions after the death of the Prophet ﷺ. And it was amazing how he would sit outside their doors in the heat of the sun and he would not even knock at the door. And when they would come out, they would say that, Oh, cousin of the Prophet ﷺ, why did you not call us? And he would not do so because he was a seeker and they were those who were giving. So out of respect, he would not disturb them. And Ibn Abbas he was once asked about how he gained knowledge, how he acquired so much knowledge, and he responded, بِلِسَانٍ سَأُولْ وَقَلْبٍ عَقُولْ وَبَدَنٍ غَيْرِ مَلُولْ Three things. لِسَانٍ سَأُولْ A tongue that is سَأُولْ Meaning, I asked a lot of questions. And we see that he would go to the companions and he would ask them, what did the Prophet say concerning this? What happened at that time and what happened then? Lisanin Saul, he never hesitated to ask questions. Secondly, Wakalbin Aqul, and a heart that is Aqul, that has Aqul meaning that he memorized whatever he learned, he understood, and he passed it on as well. 
And thirdly, وَبَدَنٍ And a body that is غَيْرِ malul. Malul is one that gets tired, that gets bored. غَيْرِ malul That does not get tired. That does not get bored. That does not get fed up. These are the three ways through which he acquired knowledge. That being inquisitive, asking whatever you don't understand. Ask, question. Generally we like, okay, never mind. And we move on. No, if you haven't understood something, don't go on until you have understood. Ask. Find out. Lisanin Saul. And then Wakalbin Akul. That don't just read and continue, but rather understand, memorize, comprehend, connect things together. And thirdly, Wabadanin Ghairi Malul and a body that does not get tired. Meaning it wasn't that his body was super strong and he never got tired. No, of course, he was a human being and he would experience the heat of the sun where he'd be sitting, waiting for the people to come. But he would not give up. He would not give up. Sometimes you have to bear discomfort. You have to. Otherwise, you cannot learn. Sometimes it happens. You just want to go, leave everything and go sleep. But no, you have to stay awake and you have to study and you have to read. Sometimes you're tired. Your eyes are hurting. You just want to lie down. You just want to go and have a break. Leave it. But no, you stay there and you finish it. So وَبَدَنٍ غَيْرِ malul. These are the ways that a person must adopt if he wants to learn. If a person has the first two, لِسَانٍ سَأُولٍ قَلْبٍ عَقُولٍ The third one will not even bother you. Then your aching body will not even bother you. You can bear it. It becomes bearable then. Because you're enjoying what you have learned so much that the pain doesn't bother you that much anymore. Of course, asking relevant questions, questions that are going to benefit you. That's necessary. Only for that thing, he just, Prophet ﷺ did dua for us. So when we do small acts of like good deeds, something, yes, you don't know how other person, it helped other person. Yes. Jazakallah khair for the reminder that we see Ibn Abbas when the Prophet ﷺ made this dua for him, it was when he was staying at their house during the night and then he went to get water for the Prophet ﷺ for his wudu. And when the Prophet ﷺ came, he asked, who got this water? And his wife Maymuna she told him that Ibn Abbas got it. So the Prophet ﷺ was very pleased with him and he hugged him there and then he made dua for him. So it shows that he had something special. I mean, he was staying in their house because he could, because he wanted to learn. The Prophet ﷺ could see the interest he had. Assalamualaikum. I was going to say that the order of the things he mentioned is very interesting to me because I was just relating it to how I'm studying Arabic. In the beginning, I found it really hard. But in order to understand what you're finding hard, you need to ask. You need to get over the shyness that you don't know more than other people. And once you understand it, then you have the desire. Okay, now I'm starting to decide. Let me memorize. Let me get a, a bit ahead of it. And when you understand, you actually start to enjoy it. And even though it's a bit difficult, maybe, you know, it's late in the night or whatever. But because now you're understanding and you're tired and, you know, you did the housework, whatever. But, you know, you feel like you want to continue. Yes. So I was just going to say the order is really interesting. Very true. Lisanin Saul leads to Qalbin Aqul, which leads to Badanin Ghairi Malul. With uh, being taught Hikmah, and Hikmah is something you learn through life experiences. Like if you keep an open mind, uh, knowledge you can get in a classroom setting, but when you apply it outside the classroom setting, that's when you learn the Hikmah and Allah gives it to you. Very true. Okay, let's do one more hadith. حدثني محمد بن يوسف قال حدثنا أبو مسهر قال حدثني محمد بن حرب حدثني الزبيدي عن الزهري عن محمود بن الربيع قال عقلت من النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم He said who? Mahmud ibn al-Rabi' He said that I remember عقلت is from عقل 
I understand, meaning I remember. من النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم مجتن مجة مجة is to spit out water. So مجتن مجها that he spat out في وجهي in my face. وأنا and I was ابن خمس سنين a son of just five years old, meaning I was only five years old. من دلوين from a bucket. I remember when the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم you know spat out some water on me. And I was only five years old. This was, you know, we might think that, oh my God, how could you do that? But it was acceptable in their culture. Just as you can, you know, spray water with your hands on another person. Similarly, this was something acceptable, and especially from the mouth of the Prophet ﷺ. I mean, I'm sure nobody would mind that. So anyway, we see that Mahmud ibn Rabi'a, he is narrating an incident over here that happened when he was only five years old. And it happens that sometimes children are very young But they remember everything. Some children, they have a short-term memory and other children, they have a long-term memory. Isn't it? Something may have happened like six months ago and all of a sudden your child will mention that and you'll be amazed that he still remembers that, that she still remembers that. You may remember yourself when you were four years old and somebody gave you a gift, that somebody perhaps scolded you or they yelled at you or they gave you a candy or you went somewhere and you saw someone Uh, you saw a particular thing or your favorite shoes or your favorite color pencils or, you know, you may remember such things from your childhood. Isn't it so? So children as young as five years old even can remember incidents in a lot of detail. Like I remember when I was only, I think I was less than four years old. I don't remember how old I was, but I had an accident. My uncle had gone with him and he wasn't looking at me and I ran onto the street and a car came and anyway. So I remember that I was in his room and I opened my eyes and I couldn't open my eyes because I was hurting so much. But I just remember that only that scene that I was trying to open my eyes. And I was not even four years old at that time. I don't remember anything else, but I just remember that. So if you look back, if you go down your memory lane, you might remember such things that may have happened when you were three years old, four years old, five years old. Glimpses maybe you remember and some you may remember in a lot of detail. Isn't it? So this is why Samar, it is acceptable even from a child who has not reached the age of puberty. That our deen also acknowledges intellectual ability or capacity of young children. That even their authority is accepted. Even they are trusted when it comes to knowledge. Okay, we will conclude over here inshallah. Subhanakallahum wa bihamdika nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.